0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of St. Luke's in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses, and under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you now to join us for a message of hope. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house which he enters, and tell the householder, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I am to eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, There, make ready. And they went and found it, as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he sat at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I shall not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after supper, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Most of you will remember the name of Erin LaCroix. Erin was playing the part of Christine in the musical Phantom of the Opera on Broadway before COVID. And when COVID hit and Broadway shut down back in March of 2020, she came to Oklahoma City and she soon started coming to St. Luke's. She was singing with us in our choir and she was helping to seeing at special holidays and on our television show, Sounds of Christmas. And she just joined right in with our family of faith. And she's become such a special part of of just who we are. And she loves this church so very, very much. But I was talking to her this past week because she is in a new production now called 1776. It is the musical that came out back in 1969 in preparation for our, our bicentennial and, and it comes out to deal with really the issues of all that what went on before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. She plays the part, actually, of uh, Martha Jefferson. So I, I knew that opening night was going to be this past Thursday night. And so I wanted to call her and celebrate with her and tell her to break a leg and just wanted to, that's, that's the nice thing you say for people in the show. <laughs> uh, and so I, I wanted to celebrate with her and encourage her and just just have great fun being able to talk to her about what was going on, and and she was so excited and and so very grateful, just grateful for all the support she's received, grateful to be able to perform again on stage. It was just so much fun being able to share with her as this kind of a moment was coming along. And it made me think about when Broadway actually reopened on September the 14th a year ago. You know, it was shut down for 18 months. For 18 months it went dark. There were no shows that were going on, and when it finally opened back up, there was a few shows that were the first ones. One was Wicked, Hamilton, um, uh, The Lion King. There were several that all opened on September the fourteenth, and that was such a big night. There was so much excitement in the air. Again, I was talking to Dan Michukay, who is the music director and the conductor for Wicked. He has been here to perform several times and. He's come to love St. Luke's, and I know many of you know him. And but I was asking him about that opening night. And he said, it was like a night like no other. He said, Bob, the place was packed. He said, I came up and I stepped up onto the stand to, to conduct the orchestra. And when I came out and stepped up, the people rose to their feet for a standing ovation. He said, We hadn't done anything. <laughs> standing ovation. He said, then we conducted through the overture and just back to standing on their feet for another ovation. And then the show started, the curtain went up and and Galinda, the good witch, she remember comes down from the skies to begin the show and as Galinda begins to descend, they're back on their feet for another standing ovation. He said it went that way through the entire performance when they came to the end They had curtain call after curtain call after curtain call, the people just wouldn't stop clapping. Finally, the curtain calls were through, and he said, "We play a number for all the people to leave and to go out of the theater." We came to the end, and nobody had left. (laughs) It was just no one wanted to go. I was talking to Kristen Chenoweth, and it turns out that she was in New York for that night, and. She got a call from the producers of Wicked and they said, would you come and welcome the audience back to the performance? I mean, she had played the the role of Galinda back in 2003. She had originated the role. They thought it would be nice to have that original Galinda. Will you be there to welcome everybody back? She said, I'd love to. So she was there saying, thank you for coming. We're so grateful, grateful to be performing, grateful to you. She then told me, she said, you know, Bob, I was there in New York because I actually had tickets to go see the Lion King. (laughs) But she said, I'd seen Wicked before. I was going to go see the Lion King, but I was happy to come and to welcome all the people back. She said there was such an excitement. People were so grateful. Over in Hamilton, Tamar Green, who has again been here several times to church and has such a love for St. Luke's, he plays George Washington in Hamilton and that night he had his solo in, in the show and when he sang the solo, he literally stopped the show. The people jumped to their feet with a standing ovation and just went on and on. The show could not continue on until finally the people stopped clapping and sit down. Lin-Manuel Miranda was there to welcome people back to the show there at, uh, um, for Hamilton. And when he came out, he wound up saying, I'm so grateful to be able for us to perform. I'm so grateful that you were here and I will never take for granted the opportunity to be able to to perform theater live again. Dan Michike said, we're also grateful. I hope we never forget. It's one of those things we should take away from the pandemic. There are so many things we could not do. Birthday parties, family, friends, going out to eat, traveling, coming to worship, taking communion. And to be able to do those things that you didn't get to use to do, it leads to such a spirit of gratitude. And we should never take it for granted. And be grateful. And we shouldn't forget. And that's the great temptation. It's so easy to forget. To be grateful. That's why today you and I are coming together to receive Holy Communion here as a corporate worship service. It's the first time since the pandemic we've tried to be so careful. And we've served communion many times, but on smaller scale in certain ways. We've done it in the garden. We've done it in... Uh, The chapel, we do it in Watchhorn Chapel every single Sunday morning. We've been doing it on Wednesday Night Alive there in the chapel. We've done it with Sunday school classes. But we haven't done it when we're going to gather with hundreds and hundreds of people. We come to take Holy Communion and it goes by many different names. It may be Holy Communion to you. It may be the Lord's Supper. For some, it's the Eucharist. The word Eucharist is a Greek word that literally means Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And right now, you and I are coming to receive the thanksgiving meal. The meal where we take the time to remember and give thanks. And sometimes that's so easy to forget. It was the night that Jesus took the bread and He broke it and He gave thanks. It's the time He took the cup and He gave thanks. It was a night that was so full of fear and uncertainty... It was going to lead to grief, a difficult time, but on the other side the disciples would be able to look back and go, what a night to be grateful for. The night when we experienced the gift of God's love in spite of all that was happening and it gave us hope. That's why it became known as the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving meal. We will look back in spite of all that has happened. And because of God's grace, we can give thanks. Now remember what Holy Communion was rooted in, the experience. Jesus and the disciples had come together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. That's one of the most high and holy days in the Jewish calendar, to celebrate the Passover with a Seder meal. It goes back to Joseph and Jacob and his children, Joseph and all of them, and how there was a famine in Israel. Joseph had been sold into slavery. He had risen in power with the Pharaoh in Egypt. And now when the family got hungry in the Promised Land, they all went to Egypt and they survived because of the grain in Egypt and Joseph. For a while, everything was great. But then Joseph died and the Pharaoh died. If you go back and read the book of Exodus... First chapter 8th verse it says and there arose a new king who knew not Joseph ah it happens and the new king looked around and said wow all these hebrews we got down here they'd make great slaves and now they were enslaved and put to work to help build things for the egyptians <coughs> their life was so hard and so it was that they they began to cry unto God And God would raise up Moses, and Moses would go to the Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. The the Pharaoh would not agree, and so God sent ten plagues, and it was the tenth plague that was the angel of death. You remember Moses told the people of Israel, Slaughter the lamb, take the blood, and put it on the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes along, it will pass over your houses, but all the firstborn in Egypt will die. And that's what happened. And when they died, the Pharaoh said, go. And Moses now led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness to the promised land. But he said, you must remember this night forever. When God acted in history to free us from slavery and captivity and made us His people and set us free. So, when the Jews come together to have a Seder meal, it's always a child at the very beginning who will say, Why is this night different from all other nights? And then they tell the story and remember. You need to remember the story of what God has done and to give thanks. They have all kinds of foods that help them remember. You have bitter herbs, remember the bitterness of slavery. You dip it in salt water, we remember the tears that we shed. The unleavened bread, the bread we had to cook quickly to leave Egypt. All these foods to help you remember and give thanks. That's where Jesus and the disciples were doing that when he then took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Because the disciples had that night to remember and give thanks. It changed everything. They would understand why Jesus would say, I have told you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. What I want us to do today is altogether take a step towards finding joy. And we do that by making the conscious effort to live in gratitude, to remember the gift of God's grace and to give thanks. And when you and I choose to live in gratitude and give thanks, you're going to find joy. So we're going to continue on with our sermon series. We started last week Finding Joy. And see how you and I, in the midst of the world in which we live, don't have to be depressed and afraid and scared. We can still find joy. There's two things I want to say about that this morning. First of all, when you come to receive the bread and you're going to eat and you're going to take the cup and you drink, it's about remembering how much God loves you. Pure and simple. To believe that God is looking down on you and cares about you, His child. It's about remembering that you are loved. You matter. That God has not turned His back on us. We are loved, we are accepted, we are forgiven. It's about coming to experience that gift of God's love. I know based on your age, it will probably determine whether you recognize the name Emmett Kelly. Emmett Kelly was one of the most famous clowns in the world. He passed away in 1979. So that's why I say it's going to be based probably some on your age. If you used to go to the circus and if you saw Emmett Kelly. He was weary willy. And he was just, just a, a, such a successful clown. It goes back to 1930s when he got into clowning. And you remember that was the Great Depression. And the circus was so popular in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And you had all these clowns that put on fancy makeup and they'd run around and do silly things to try to make people laugh. But Emmett Kelly, Weary Willie, he, he chose a different route. He decided he would be the sad clown. You would never see him smile. He didn't talk, he'd nod yes or no. But he really patterned himself because of what people were going through in the Great Depression. You had all these people who were out of work people who could not make it. And so one of the most common ways people tried to get back was sweeping, sweeping the streets, sweeping the floors, cleaning up. People would do anything to make a dime. So Weary Willie was the person who was going to sweep and clean up at the circus. He would come out into the arena in between acts and he'd get out there to start sweeping and cleaning up. And then they had a spotlight. They would shine down into the arena. And when they did... Then he'd go over and he's trying to sweep up the light, not realizing it was the light. And he couldn't ever get it to sweep up. And so he had a whole act of him chasing the light around the arena. And everybody's laughing and laughing. So he's the sad clown, but he's making everybody laugh because he's trying to sweep and to clean up. He does it for more than 20 years. He winds up then being the mascot for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He then went up starring in the greatest show uh, on earth, which was by Cecil B. DeMille. He became in the movies, and then he was on TV. Well, it can be said, he maybe was the most famous clown in the world, and people never saw him smile. Except one time. One time. It turned out that if he was in his makeup and he's in his suit, he never let a smile come out, except he was 50 years old. He'd gotten married. And one day he was giving an interview when he got a phone call and the doctor was telling him his wife had just given birth to a little baby girl. And to find out that he had a little daughter, he just broke into a smile. So excited. When they said it, he smiled, the picture was taken before he could recover. And the next day, literally that picture was flashed into newspapers around the world to where you had a weary Willie, he was smiling because he had a new baby girl. Her name was Astacia. And Anastasia, as she grew up, talked about her dad, when he was 80 years old. 80 years old, Emmett was now retired, living in Florida. And she lived in Denver, and she said one night he called. And he was so animated. She said, just out of character. He was so animated, just going... I just always always remember that day they caught me. The only time they've ever taken my picture caught me smiling was the day that you were born. The day that I found out that I had a baby girl. I just love you so much. Do you know how important you are? He just went on and on. And she said it was very touching. <coughs> said it meant so much to her as the way that he was carrying on. It was a great conversation. She said the next day he got up, went out to go pick up the newspaper And he fell over and had a heart attack and was dead. She got the word and she hopped on a plane there in Denver to fly down to Florida. And when she got on the plane, she took her seat and she opened up the morning newspaper. And there on the front page was a picture of Weary Willie, her father, Emmett Kelly, who had passed away. Emmett Kelly dies at 80 years old. But she reached into her purse and she pulled out a different picture and it was the picture that had run in the newspaper of her father smiling when he got the news that she had been born and she laid it on the newspaper and she started to cry and she cried there was a man sitting next to her and he said are you all right? can I help you finally through the sob she was able to say my father died And then she pointed to the paper. And the man said, your father was Emmett Kelly? She managed to nod. He waited a moment and said, my name is Fred Batty. I was with your father when he got the news. Actually, I'm the photographer who took that picture. I worked for the UPI News Service. I was there with him while he was being interviewed, and he got that call, and the smile, I got the picture like that. I can tell you, your father loved you so very much. And Anastasia said, as I heard that and I realized, here is the man who took this picture. She said, I was overwhelmed with a sense of peace because it's like in that moment I knew that my Father was in heaven smiling down on me because He loved me so much and I knew He was okay. When you and I come to receive the sacrament of communion, it's about remembering that Almighty God is looking down on you and smiling because he loves you so much. That's the promise. But what I want to ask out of you today is when you come to receive the sacrament, when you take the bread and you take the juice, today, I hope you'll stop and think about someone who's in the kingdom of heaven, who loved you so much. Someone who is looking down and smiling on you they care for you so much and give thanks it's important to remember and give thanks it's how you take a step into finding joy secondly just know the truth of the statement grateful people are joyful people you can't be grumpy and grateful. If you're grateful, then you're going to know joy. And then if you're just grumpy, you're never going to know joy. I'll tell you one of the things that happened to me out of COVID, is I have spent so much more time trying to be grateful for the things that I get to do every day. I don't know about you, but I'm a list maker. I get up in the morning and I start making a list of all the things that I have to do. And that's how I'll look at my list so often. I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. And I find that sometimes they get really depressing. And so I changed that and I thought of all the things I didn't get to do during COVID. I didn't go to birthday parties. We didn't travel to go see family. We didn't celebrate those anniversaries. We didn't get to worship together. We didn't do communion. There was so much. So now when I make up a list, I may or may not be excited by everything that's on that list, but I try to say to myself, you get to do this. Not I have to do this. I get to do this. And when I say that, I always add on, God, thank you. I hope that Dan was right. I hope we don't forget of all the things we get to do. And we give thanks. There's no question that if you take the time to remember and you walk with Christ, then you're going to be thinking of all the things you get to do, the people you get to love, and you give thanks. You know, right now, I, I'm, I certainly enjoy football. I love the football season. Sunday afternoon's perfect for me. I already have the games ready to record. I get home, have barbecue, and watch football. Absolutely zero production. But it's fun. I, I enjoy doing that. And I, I, I saw a, a documentary recently on Emmitt Smith. Now if you're a football fan, you certainly know who Emmitt Smith is, running back for the Dallas Cowboys, long now since retired. But I was a big fan. I, I grew up in Houston, and so I always rooted for the Oilers. And I always used to root for Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell. Man, those were great days. And then I always rooted still for the Dallas Cowboys. Even though I rooted for Houston, I rooted for the Cowboys, Tom Landry, you know, I mean, they were just such a, such one, Roger Stallback, they were such a classy duo. And then the Cowboys of the 90s, I mean, they were so incredible. I mean, you had Jimmy Johnson, and, and then you had our own Barry and Switzer, and they won three Super Bowls, and you had such incredible players, Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith was just amazing. They were documenting his life. And it turns out that he grew up in Pensacola, Florida. He went to a high school that was just a normal, regular high school. Didn't have a very good football team. They'd won three games in the last three years. A game a year. But the year he arrived there, they got a new coach and a whole new coaching staff. Some other talent kind of arrived. And Emmett explains they went to the first practice. And the coach gave him three-by-five cards and said, I want you to go home. And I want you to dream. Dream about what you want for this football team. Dream about what you want for your life and football. And then write it down. I then want you to tape that card beneath the mirror in your locker. You know, dreams are just dreams until you write them down. But when you write them down, they become goals. And every day when you come to that locker, I want you to look at that mirror and then read your goals. Created a whole new spirit on this team. In the end they had one year to kind of build and the next two years they won the state championship two years in a row. His junior year Emmett Smith had the highest rushing yardage, second highest rushing yards in the United States for high school football players. His senior year, he was the Gatorade Student Player of the Year for the United States, which won him two tickets to the Super Bowl in Pasadena, California. And he got to take his best friend from high school, and they went out to Pasadena, California to go and see the Super Bowl. And while they were sitting there, Emmett said, one day I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. Little did he know it would be six years from right then, that he would be playing in Pasadena, California, in the Super Bowl, where he'd be named the most valuable player. No, he finished high school, three years of college, got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 1990. Rookie of the year. 1991, rushing leader in the NFL. They did really well. 92, rushing leader in the NFL, and they won the Super Bowl. And he was the MVP. Ninety-three, he's going to win the rushing leader again at another Super Bowl. But they were looking back now in this documentary on that year for 1993, and they had the card. To this day, all these years later, every year in January, Emmett writes down his dreams so that they become his goals. And they had the card from 1993. And it had all the things listed, but the top four, number four goal to win the rushing title for the NFL, which he did. To average 125 yards rushing per game, which he did. Stay healthy, which he did. And number one goal? Keep Jesus Christ number one in my life. A kid who's in his 20's, won two Super Bowls, All the fame and glory and everything that's being thrown at his feet. My number one goal is to keep Jesus Christ number one in my life. Not because he thought Jesus was helping him to run to the national title. Not because Jesus was helping him to win the Super Bowl. He wanted Jesus number one in his life. So he stayed grounded in the midst of all the incredible success and wealth and everything being thrown at him. How do I stay grounded and keep my priorities and understand who I am? And that's what he did. He was a man who was so kind and compassionate and so grateful. And whenever you see him he was always smiling. He was a man of great joy. Went on to this incredible career and in the end he would retire the all-time rushing leader in the NFL. Of course he'd be inducted into the Hall of Fame and I watched his Hall of Fame acceptance speech. It was fascinating the man who walked so close to Christ was so incredibly grateful. First ten minutes of his speech, he thanked 172 people. He started with his coach and offensive coordinator in high school. He called him by name and said, Coach, you changed my life when you taught me to dream and then write them down and make them a goal changed my life he then went on to call out the owners of the football team and coaches and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin but then the one he really wanted to call out was Darryl Johnson now if you're not a big football fan or a fan you won't know that name Darryl Johnson he went by the name Moose he was the fullback And the job of a fullback in those days was not to carry the ball and rush for lots of yards, occasionally, but the main job of the fullback was to run up the line and knock down the linebacker so that there was a hole for the running back to run through. And Emmett's thanking all these people going along and then he stops and says, Daryl Johnson, would you stand up? And Daryl Johnson stood up and Emmett began to weep. He just cried and cried, had to compose himself. Finally, he said, You sacrificed so much. If there wasn't a Darrell Johnson, there wouldn't be an Emmett Smith. You opened the holes for me to run through. Emmett was a man of such great faith who was so grateful that He knew joy. When you come to take the Sacrament of Holy Communion today, I hope you will stop and think about the person who has opened the holes for you to run through. Who is the person who has loved you into being who you are today? Sometimes we forget. We need to take the time to remember the people who loved you so much to who you are today and to give God thanks for those people in your life. And if you and I will come to take the sacrament today and we focus on remembering how we are loved by God, that He's looking down and smiling at us. If you remember to love and to give thanks for those in the kingdom of heaven who have loved you into who you are, if you give thanks for those who have opened the holes for you to run through, well, you and I are going to take a big step towards living in a spirit of gratitude and finding joy. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the sermon podcast of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses. Learn all about St. Luke's different services and programs on our website, stlukesokc.org. We trust you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week.